podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Video podcasting to you from my field here in rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny. And I'm joined, of course, by Anne Mulby from Mulby on the spot here on Anfield Index Pro. We get an opportunity every week, thanks to the channel, to speak to Jan and get his thoughts about all things Liverpool. We should start with a bit of a smile this week, Jan, because there's been a few rough ones. And it is nice to be looking back on a very deserved, uh, very comprehensive kind of a win with lots of things to recommend it and things we can pull apart that are positive for a change. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, in fairness, I mean, what, 10 points in the last four games? Uh, so there's your positives, isn't there? There's, there's getting ready for the run-in. Uh, and... I still think if you look and there's only one place up for grabs is in the, in the top four. You've got a two Manchester clubs and Arsenal nailed on. But we're better than the other clubs chasing fourth. Uh, the handicap we have is that we're a little bit, little bit behind them in terms of points, isn't it? But we're definitely better than them. So uh, if we can keep this up, but Trevor has a monster running of fixtures coming, isn't it? That's for sure. There really is. And uh, we... We take it back to that thing of um, the uncertainty and the feeling of uncertainty you get uh, with each game. Um, and that comes from inconsistency in performance. But there were, like I said, a few things. We, we need to be careful not to get carried away. We, we, we were careful last time. We got a good run of results to just not be uh, too gung-ho. And it would be wise to do it again because... Uh, there is a, a level of inconsistency here, but there were some things, yeah, I thought that looked really, really encouraging. The main one was to see, for me, the main ones were to see Fabinho returning to doing Fabinho things uh, and even being a presence in the opposition box, which is is tremendous. Um, and to see that interconnection, for example, on the final goal, um, seeing Mo on the, on the score sheet again, these are all kind of things I was saying that towards the end of the last campaign, we need a fit and firing Salah, we need to be uh, getting that kind of extra edge that he brings, uh, even if it is just goals on the sheet. Um, so there were a few things, and also the return to form of Trent Alexander-Arnold, which has been a massive talking point. It was nice to see him look a lot more like himself. Um, several other things we can pick apart, but with those three kind of first team, uh, those two first team regulars, and that, like I say, a return to, to something like our um, normal form. It's hardening, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, with Fabinho, the, the worry I have is that A, we probably won't play the same midfield three against Manchester United. Uh, mm. And can he do the same that he did against Wolverhampton? I thought Wolverhampton possibly played a little bit into our hands in that the two midfield players, Ruben Neves and, and uh, Xiao Moutinho, 
aren't dynamic midfield players. So maybe that suits us a little bit. They're really ball-playing midfield players, aren't they? Uh, I said to you in commentary, I thought Trent was our best player. Uh, I thought he did really well. He was bright. And again, this is we've often discussed this on this show, haven't we, Trevor, about, you know, when your head is right, isn't it? Your bright is, and I thought he was bright. He did some really, really clever stuff. Uh, so, so, so that was that was pleasing enough to see him because, whatever way we look at it, some of his play only last Saturday in the first half against Crystal Palace was was one way you shake your head and you go, wow, yeah. this can't be right, you know, because normally he's technically so good and his passing is really from a different planet, isn't it? So it's good to see him. I think the most positive with him is that, and. You know, some people call him arrogant, this You know, I'm a firm believer in that very few footballers are arrogant. They have self-belief. Uh, and I'm delighted that, you know, having performances below his his own standards doesn't seem to greatly affect him mentally, isn't it? So he was capable of producing what I thought was a, was a really good performance against Wolves. <clears throat> and and his, his, his teammate there, Fabinho, like... Whatever about the foot in stuff being back on track, that was wonderful to see. And I think absolutely essential for us uh, has been for so long. It's, it's such an underrated part of what himself and Ginny Wijnaldum used to bring to, to, to the team as a duo. Um, but it was lovely to see him in the opposition box as well, causing problems. Again, interceptions in that forward area. Considering the lineup last night would suggest, or certainly did suggest, and was in reality, him as the most deep lying with Bacetic and, uh, and, um, Harvey more advanced. So it, that speaks to, um, a positivity in our play. Uh, but it's also lovely to see the fella himself, um, looking a bit more like uh, the, the the guy who's been absolutely central to every part of our success. Mm, no, absolutely. Uh, I think it's been quite a while since you got the feeling that we've got the right midfield three, you know, the right midfield to do a job with and without the ball. Uh, that was more like us against, against Wolves. Wolves are not Manchester United, it? but we, we take one game at a time, isn't it? Uh, and we did that well. Uh, and, and now there's some real sort of positives to build on, isn't it? We've often discussed this thing about confidence, isn't it? And, you know, some people foolishly still think that you can gain confidence from training. You can't. You gain confidence from playing, getting out there in front of people, isn't it? And, uh, you know, our outings, if we can erase the memories from the Madrid game, of, of later been pretty good. Now, you have mentioned uh, last week we were speculating about what the lineup might be. And you had mentioned Harvey Elliott in the mix for midfield. And uh, I will admit that when I saw the selection, I was looking at Harvey in midfield. I was saying, OK, well, obviously, we know Henderson hasn't been himself at all for quite a while. Um, and he does seem to get gassed during games quite early. So, OK, but I was left it lamenting a little bit, Jan, the fact that we were looking at this kid who... Whatever else he is, he's a lively kid. He's fantastic attitude. He has attacking talent to burn. Um, but he is not defensive minded. Now he may chase a runner. Um, he may do that dogged stuff, but he doesn't have that mindset to his game. And it felt like another square peg in a round hole. Um, and Klopp has persisted with Harvey in that position. Um, I thought we saw when he was rid of the, the burden of, of, of tracking back not only uh, a better performance from him but 
you know, it leaves us with someone who can theoretically do that job. Now, of late, you would have to say Jordan hasn't been doing that job. So I suppose what I was left doing was shaking my head, Jan, and thinking, Jesus, we really have very few options. I think if you look at the bench, you could have put Ox in there, um, theoretically, assuming you wanted to rest Fab, uh, assuming you wanted to rest the, the captain, you could have put Ox in there. And that was your little lot. Um, it really spoke volumes. I know Thiago's injured, but it really spoke volumes to about the the level of football that we have in that really critical position. It's 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 a big ask, I feel, for Harvey Elliott to do that role uh, in the way that a club team needs him to do. What, what's what's your thoughts about him maybe persisting in that position? You, you seem to suggest that that's a good sort of blend. Do you think it is overall, or is it just that it's better than what we've seen recently? Well, it's certainly better than what we've seen recently. Uh, obviously, the biggest problem Harvey has uh, is, is is sort of nailing down the position. Where, where where does he actually? Where do we actually get the most from him? <clears throat> I would suggest that if he has aspirations and ambitions of playing in, 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 as one of our wide attackers, then I don't think he'll get many minutes uh, because we've got wide attackers who are more effective than him and better in 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 that role. Uh, what I like about him is that. He has a natural gift for getting into the box. I, I played as a centre midfield player, and there was times during my career where the manager would pull me aside and go, "Listen, you, we could do with you getting in the box a bit more." That was not natural to me. But when you think about it, when you've just been told, you sort of do it, don't you? But it's like not naturally. Harvey has that natural wanting to get in the box, isn't it? We saw that, especially with the header in the first half when he probably should have scored, isn't it? Uh, but he has that, so that just gives us a little bit different because. <clears throat> You get distance between your three centre midfield players, which means there's distance between their midfield players, isn't it? Because they have to follow runners and, and, and stick with, with, with players, isn't it? So it always has an effect. It, it was one of them things in Ronnie Moran used to say, isn't it? Move the ball. Every time the, the ball moves, everybody moves. The ball doesn't move, everybody stands still. But when you move the ball, 20 outfield players move. They might only be one metre that way or whatever, but everybody moves. And it's, it's the same with that kind of thing, isn't it? Harvey Eller runs into the box. Well, the opposition midfield players aren't just going to let them run, are they? Somebody's going to go with them, isn't it? So then all of a sudden you have one of theirs even further back than, than what they would ideally like, isn't it? And I think sometimes we miss that. We never missed it, in fairness, when we were at our best with Henderson, Fabinho and Bynaldum. And Bynaldum had a little bit of an ability to get into the box, isn't it? Uh, but with, with, with this group of players and the slight, slight problems we still have with nailing that sort of false number nine position, uh, and, and, and getting a clear way of how we want to play, whether that's with Shots or Bobby or Garvin or Gakpo or whoever, you know. Uh, I think it's important that we can offer a little bit more for midfield. I mean, the centre midfield generally has been highly criticised for the lack of goals. And I think that's... It's 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 fair in a way, uh, but I don't think Klopp demands goals from his midfield. So it is a bit of a catch-22 situation. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA 
to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, it feels that way. And I suppose the, I was looking at it in a very simplistic way. I was looking at if Harvey's nominally the right-sided midfielder and Trent is having issues, which he was going into the game, and Moe's not exactly the best version of Moe or maybe not exactly a fella you'd be relying on to do tremendous covering runs for an entirety of a game. We know he can do it. I thought, oh, are we looking at another risk of exposure there for the young man at fullback um, and it just seems like it's a tough balancing act for the manager at the minute. I do have a lot of sympathy for the fact that there's only so many pieces he has to move around but you get that sort of niggling thing in the back of your head don't you about well how much of that scenario is kind of self-inflicted in terms of uh, whether it's at his level or the level just above us not going and making that um, those purchases which now yeah, there's nothing but endless stories about this lad and that lad and we're back in the cycle again it feels you feel a bit crazy don't you it feels a bit mad that we're going around mentioning all the same names again and all the same links again and talking about budgets it's just it, it's, it starts to get a little bit tedious doesn't it if we could just stick to the football summer it would be wonderful yeah. wouldn't it? Uh, but, but, but obviously everything else gets in the way and there was a massive build up to the Wolverhampton game and and and, and you know, talking about Mateus Nunez from, from Wolves and, and this was his big chance of, I mean, you, you don't need to come to Anfield to play well for Liverpool to be interested. Liverpool would have already decided yes or no whether they're interested or not. So the boy doesn't have to come to Anfield and, and produce, which he didn't, to be fair. Uh, but we're going to have this now, aren't we? We're going to be linked with everybody. Uh, and it is still mainly midfield players. And I, I totally agree with that, isn't it? But yeah, if we could just stick to the football, Trevor, it would be absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and, and sadly, it's it's going nowhere. I, it it depends on how the rest of the season goes. You get the feeling that if we're in there fighting for something, maybe it might keep to a slight minimum. But if we're not, it's just going to be the only show in town. Is talking about potential transfers. Uh, I'm finding it all very very uh, unsettling at the moment because we don't even know what the story is with investment and all the rest of it. So it's a tricky one. In terms of some other positives to take from it, um, it was lovely to have Ibu Kanate back, and it's quite remarkable. Remarkable, isn't it, Jan? What having uh, a pair of uh, dominant-looking centre backs together does for a team. And yes, we made a couple of self-enforced, uh, inflicted errors. Um, Ali was guilty of one. I think Ibu Kanate had one wild pass or loose pass. Um, Virgil not so much last night. Um, but generally speaking, I thought that whole unit looked quite solid. Um, it, it seemed to me, with the exception of I think the early goings where Wolves had an effort or two really early on it seemed as if anything they were going to get was going to be as a result of us cocking up as opposed to them being on top does that make sense yeah i also think that if if you're a wolves fan or you watch wolves and they struggle to score goals and you can see why you don't have a clear plan i think they've got really good midfield players but i also think that those midfield players need to be helped by having a better attacking plan uh, and i just thought that everything that they had you know obviously they want to play off him and his, uh, which, and it's rather sad, isn't it? But he's never quite been this, the, the player he was since his, his head injury, uh, which is, which is obviously sad, isn't it? But we decided that he wasn't going to run away from us. So you go really tight and it, and it worked well. Uh, we, 
we defended well. And then at half time, they, they made a change, which I thought they would do with Sarabia. I just, just look up to Premier League, uh, Tempo at the moment. Uh, and they brought on Torori. And, and obviously he's one of them, isn't that? He, he always worries you, doesn't he? Uh, because he is capable mm. of that. And I can't remember him doing anything to other. And I think, you know, that in itself, isn't it? For 45 minutes to keep him going out as well, isn't it? So I thought we dealt with, with, with all things attacking from Wolves very comfortably. The uh, the stream that almost everyone in the world was watching because it was very restricted amount of coverage last night had whatever commentator from the Peacock channel in the States uh, and Stephen Warnock was co-commons on it and uh, Stephen was just, obviously he was, he was feeling quite depressed in himself he was very negative about everything to do with Liverpool and he was predicting that when Traore came on he was going to give um, uh, uh, our left back a torrid time but to be fair to our, 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 our the main man, uh, Costas really put him in. I thought it was the first interaction between them. Costas got on top and pretty much stayed there. You're right. I don't think Treor offered anything. I have a question to put to you. Can you imagine? Uh, 1986, 1988, something like that. You're taking the field and you are. 25 minutes into a game, one of the opposition members gets injured and on runs a lad who's oiled up his arms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, what, what have we become? Yeah, I'm looking at this guy going, and you know the story, the official story is that it's so that uh, opposition lads who try to hold on to him will slip off. I mean, are we serious? It's No, we can't it, we can't be serious. Is, is that is that me telling you that you're all going to be in my way? You're all going to be running behind me, and your only chance is by pulling my arms up. I'll work that one out. I'm a slippery one. You can't exactly. catch me. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Really? Exactly. Oh, bless, bless their heart. I mean, they're trying to sell that story, but I'm not buying it. Um, do, you know what, in, in, do you believe he's never lifted a weight in his life, he tells us? Yes, we, we spoke about this briefly last night on the show as well, uh, this concept that he's never lifted away. Now, look, yeah, I mean, you've been around professional athletes um, for a lot of years and you know what it looks like. Footballers, the way football train, train, training is going, it can lead you to be quite lean and sort of sinewy and stuff like that. You want to look like that kid. You have to be like the lads who are either side of me most evenings in the gym, absolutely killing it with weights. You have to do that it's the only way to do it I mean what what is he trying to convince us Jan that he's got a very heavy hairbrush or something it's daft yeah I I find it absolutely daft and it would have been much easier wouldn't it to say yeah listen you know I spent a bit of time in the gym isn't it Uh, but he's chosen he's chosen a different route hasn't he He's chosen a different route, and um, I don't know. I, don't, I I honestly don't know what the point of trying to to pull the wool over our eyes is. But anyway, there we are. Um, again, it, it looked, uh, it, it felt a little bit more positive in the build up. You mentioned that during the week, and we had a period where there were a lot of prickly press conferences and stuff like that. And it just seems as if Klopp's decided that the only way to do this now is um, kind of smile through it and. Um, bat away the questions that sort of annoy him and I think that mindset will be as important as anything because you do get the impression there was uh, there was fellas bringing out quotes during the week Jan from Sadio Mane saying um all oh, the players really love Klopp and 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 you know he'll get them through this 
I found it weird. It's as if does does Jurgen Klopp need defending and then I go on my I go on my social media and I see endless idiots who claim to be Liverpool fans who who, who are done with him. It's it's so fickle, isn't it? It, it is remarkable, you know, absolutely. And uh, you were talking before that the only way you could watch the game was uh, downloading it. That, that's why you need to live in Denmark, Trevor. We don't have those problems in Denmark. Yeah. It was the it was our main game on on TV, and we were there commentating. Uh, and there was a number of other uh, foreign reporters and, and, and broadcasters, and and they can't understand why club is not under pressure because where they come from, and I'm talking about Southern Europe. Where they come from, it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, nothing protects you, even even what you got in the bank. And they just couldn't understand uh, why he was on the press. And, and they were saying, when will he be? I said, well, the big summer build, rebuild, whatever happens, he'll be in charge. Regardless of what happens this season, if we finish fourth or we finish ninth, he will be the Manchester with that rebuild, isn't it? They, they just couldn't understand that, you know, incredible. So if, if that's the level you're talking about, with people in the business and you can fully understand some probably some young kids on, on social media isn't it who just don't know what it takes uh, because also for Klopp to get us where he got us to that took a bit of time didn't it uh, and you, you sort of you sort of tend to forget that and then you get there and then you want to stay there so the rebuild might take a little bit of a while it might take six months before we get all our bricks in the right places isn't it but uh, it, it is it is just remarkable isn't it that we live in a world where the first reaction to every problem is to dismiss somebody or, you know. Yeah, sling your hug. Yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy. Stuff. Do you do you buy into the, the rebuild narrative now fully? Are you, are, you on, are you on board with that? Because you can understand people would be a bit cautious because, uh, you know, there are all sorts of stories about the level of uh, funding that could be potentially there or not there, depending on Champions League, blah, blah, blah. We know that in the past we've had to make big sales to buy. We talked briefly about whether last week about whether the horror story could be that we'd have to get rid of Mo to get some new guys in and all that kind of stuff. Is there a kind of a, an atmosphere amongst the people that you talk about that that is absolutely a thing that's happening, that the rebuild is, it go- is going to be a thing on, on some level at least? No, uh, strangely enough. And no, and I'm all, I mean, look at being in a press room and there is always better informed people than others. Uh, and some of the better informed people are, are they're all going, you know, be careful. Uh, they, they haven't sort of been given the nod as of yet that it's going to be as brutal or, you know, as financially uh, big as, as everybody assumes it's going to be, isn't it? So I think there is a case of let, let's hold on, isn't it? Uh, and let's see. And I guess this is what they're doing at the moment, isn't it? You know, they're trying to work out a plan of obviously there'll be players leaving because they're out of contract, uh, and there'll be players we'd like to sell, isn't it? And then, and then the recruitment, isn't it? How do we best do that, isn't it? So I wouldn't suggest it's up in the air because nothing with Liverpool since this sort of new setup has ever been up in the air. I think they've got a pretty clear uh, way of how they would like to approach this. Uh, the problem is that you're competing against others who might have the same ideas, isn't it? Uh, in terms of the players that you like, isn't it? But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to say right now, Trevor. I believe it's going to be a wild summer uh, because I couldn't guarantee you that. It might be for some people slightly disappointing, isn't it? But when do we judge this again, Trevor? Christmas. I guess that's the time to revisit this, isn't it? And go where we're at, isn't it? 
you know, and I even feel that in the summer, it probably wouldn't be the right time to revisit it either because we're going to have different preparations for the new season. The players are going to have a slightly longer holiday than what they normally do. So there's going to be all sorts of different things, isn't it? Uh, so even in the summer, I wouldn't be jumping off any roof to, 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 to try and judge it all. I think we've learned we've got to be careful judging things, haven't we, Trevor? Uh, because most of the time, Liverpool are at least half a step ahead of everybody else's. So. But the moment I get something, Trevor, that's, you know, where you feel that somebody's now saying that I've heard that A, B, or C, or whatever is going to happen, so then uh, we'll obviously announce it, isn't it? But no, at the moment, I think it's a case of hang fire. Uh... Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Go on, Trevor. It feels a little bit as well as if it's a two-tiered rebuild in terms of there's the one that everyone's interested in and everybody wants to know about. And then there's the one that you're dismissed as some sort of a nerd negative Nelly if you talk about the background of the club, the the, the backroom uh, positions, the really incredibly important positions like to do with recruitment and, and, and the day-to-day running of the club and analysis and all that type of stuff. Um, and it feels as if that's going to change as well. We've had, uh, you know, changes around medical staff as well. And it feels, doesn't it, that that's going to have to work in tandem with whatever new recruits come in as well if, if, if we're going to be successful. So that makes it feel a little bit like a bigger project. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot that needs to be sourced. And I, I mean, we were talking about it in the build-up to the game last night and and and, and, they, and they were asking, you know, do you feel club is, 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 is the right man to do the rebuild? And I, I do generally. Uh, the, the, the one thing that more than anything is sometimes fresh eyes, you know, some fresh eyes to look at it from an assistant manager's position, from a director of football position or whatever, isn't it? Because sometimes we get so involved in it, don't we? You know, and you get somebody in who's brand new and go, listen, I'm going to judge the players on where they are right now. I'm, I'm not going to take into consideration what they've done for this football club already. We're going to judge them on where they are now. And I think that's the most difficult thing. And I think that's where Alex Bergers were probably clever. He brought in some highly respected assistants over the years and he went, give it to me. What do you think? You know, and, and one of the two of them might have been able to say to him, well, listen, I don't think he's up to it anymore, isn't it? And, and I think we know that there probably is of the sort of hardcore 15 players that there probably is some of them that was no longer up to it, Trevor, isn't it? 
But it's so important that the ones you show the door are the right ones, isn't it? Yeah. And that's going to be an ongoing, interesting topic that we can discuss here for sure. Um, I, I, I was struck by something there that I meant to ask you earlier on. It's just come back to me when you are, um, busy chatting with your um, colleagues um, on Danish TV and they're talking to you about rebuilds and stuff like that. Aside from the obvious ongoing link to Jude Bellingham, are there any other names that other people outside of the immediate Liverpool fan bubble seem to be aware of being linked? Uh, For example, I was very tempted to go and look at some compilations of this Quadio Kone kid, uh, Kevin Turam is another one who, who is on a, a perpetual list, uh, orbiting around the name of Bellingham. Is there any other names get thrown at you that people seem to be aware of being overly linked with the club? No, uh, I, I think everybody's more or less making up their own minds. And I think if, if the people are thinking big rebuilds, they will be able to tell you six six positions where Liverpool need to be to strengthen, yeah. And and they will have their own ideas who that should be in those positions, isn't it? Uh so no, I'm not I'm not getting one or two names as as again I I keep referring to this term, isn't it? You know, the, the the club would have told the reporters a long, long time ago about, about their interest in Jude Bellingham and their continued interest in Jude Bellingham, isn't it? Beyond that, I don't think they'd begin every stay any stay uh, in terms of that whatsoever. Although the the materials Nunez Wolverhampton gave Talk about we were interested last summer before he went to Wolves, and then we had a little sniff again in January. But beyond that, yeah, you're right. We're, we're linked with everybody to Ram Kone, uh, and it's it's obviously that same type, isn't it? The one thing you've got to make your mind of is when you see these kids play, is whether they're good enough to, you know, because now they've got to play football at a different level. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like I say, it's going to be at least a source of distraction and interest for us as this season motors on. Like you said, plenty of fixtures for us to talk about and get through. And we should throw ahead uh, forward a little bit. And just before we focus on the most immediate one, this is, like you said, quite the run that we have ahead of us. Obviously, it's United on um, Sunday afternoon. I think it's the half four kickoff. Um, it is at Anfield, which is going to make a difference, obviously. But then um, it's a quick turnaround uh the following week or the following Saturday we have um, uh, Bournemouth uh, at their place uh, we then have to go away to Real Madrid now I, I, I don't know what where you're at with this uh, and I don't know if it's going to change in the build up and I don't know if it's going to be dependent on the results against United and Bournemouth um, but I, I, I've heard a lot of talk about you know it's too much of a miracle to ask this Real Madrid game. And I think I mentioned to you before, but let's go and, 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 and maybe just look after ourselves for the, the really important uh, Premier League matches. And I, I can't get my head around that thinking at, at all. Maybe I'd be interested to see if you, if you have any sympathy with it at all, because for me, you don't in any way ever disrespect that game. It's the biggest game you want. I want us to go out and, I think you said this before, at least win the game on the night. Um, I personally don't believe Klopp will do anything but that. I could be wrong. What's your gut feeling on that? Um, um, the intensity and strength of the lineup that he'll go with away at, at Real? My, my first thought, Trevor, and I think we discussed this, was that if we could, let's not play the game. That would be my first thought. Yes. But we have to play the game. We yeah. have to play the game. We don't now have to play a Premier League game after because the Fulham game has been... Uh, postponed to the FA Cup. Uh, so we go. 
and we approach in the right way. What happens if they get a man sent off in the first 10 minutes? All of a sudden, you're playing 11 against 10, isn't it? And I think that's where there's always hope, isn't it? It's highly unlikely, but there's always hope. And now the fact that we don't play Fulham, we go there and we put out a strong team again uh, and, and, and we give it a go. And we maintain our sort of, you know, people look and they go, well, you know, they did it in the right way. They didn't throw in the towel. They gave it a go. Uh, we might be able to get it come away with draw or a win, uh, which which would be absolutely fantastic. And having said that, you know, that Fulham game that's been postponed, I think we could have done with that. I think that would have been a nice game before the before the international break and, and before that monster week we have when we come back starting on. You almost feel like it's Naples Field, don't you? Coming back on the 1st of, of April and then playing them three games in a week. Uh, but it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is, and you're right. It does feel uh, like someone's taking you for a sucker. All right, uh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because I just I, I do feel I, I totally get that. It would be great if we didn't even have to think about that anymore because it seems like such a, 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 a mountain to climb. But I just can't, in the, especially in that competition, I can't, I can't sanction anything but total respect. And I'd love to think that maybe, I think you said it just there, it's important. Like the eyes of the whole bigger football world are on us there. And I'd like us to give a good account of ourselves, maybe a good win by a couple of goals and make that, uh, uh, aggregate a bit more respectable at the very least. Um, it, it, it's it's not a big ask. Like you say, the the Fulham game is postponed, and then there's nothing then from the 15th of March until uh, the City game on the 1st of April, and that is an absolutely mental run. If we look at United and Bournemouth, and we say, okay, if we're on a on an upward curve, we could perhaps at, at least four hopefully six points there but that is going to be the crunch isn't it that's where top four is going to be decided uh the saturday against city at their place the tuesday after that against chelsea at their place and then at home to arsenal on the sunday holy shit what a week and it's 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 potentially season defining as well isn't it i think it will be you know i can't see it any other way you know, five of our, our next six fixtures against some of the best teams on the planet because the top teams in the Premier League are amongst the best teams on the planet. There's no way around that, is it? Uh, so I think it will be those four Premier League games, the only ones we're not playing is Spurs and, because we're waiting with them to the end of the month. <laughs> but we've still got a more to play, haven't we? So yeah, I think it will be. Uh, you're looking at those four games. The big thing is, is, is not getting beat, isn't it? Uh, so you're looking at, Anything from seven points and up, up to twelve, isn't it? It's, it's, it's in that range where you need to get, isn't it? It's, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Uh, because two of them at home, where we've been, I think we've been more. I think we've been good at home. I don't think it's a massive big problem, I'm saying. And of course, two of them are away, where we've been, we 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 haven't been anywhere near this. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. 
or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, again, I, I wonder if I want, I've, I found myself reading too much into last night, so we should not do that. Let's look ahead to the United game. And it's always interesting to talk about this lot because uh, you'll have been aware, no doubt, of the uh, marvellous celebrations that were going on after the EFL Cup victory. Um, I don't feel good uh, about slagging anyone off for celebrating a, a trophy. I, I'm, I'm not into that kind of, I, t- I find it a little bit petty. But there was an awful lot of sneering uh, and the context for some of the more sensible sneering was, well, they were laughing at, at us. It's like playground stuff, right? Um, so now we'll laugh back at them with their Mickey Mouse cup and verticamas and all that kind of stuff. Here's the actual question coming out of that. Do you think, and we saw Jose Marino do it, we saw, I think, Guardiola do it. Do you think that a trophy, regardless of what it is, is just a very important thing for a group of footballers to bond with a manager and have that established that winning mentality? Because that's the way I'd be looking at it. I'd be looking at it as a bit of a sagging shoulders moment for me because of that. What's your take? You do not survive as a manager of a big six club without a trophy. You need a trophy regardless of where you are, regardless of how good you are. This century, Trevor, has been 24 winners of the League Cup, what is called the Small Cup, the Mickey Mouse, whatever it's called, yeah. 19 of those winners has come from the big six. So it is a competition that everybody takes unbelievably serious, isn't it? Since Swansea won it in 2013, only four clubs have won it. City, Chelsea, United and Liverpool. You know, you, you, you don't need any more proof how important a trophy is, regardless of what it is. As it happened, I was at Wembley on Sunday. And I have to say, I've been to Wembley a lot of times. And it is the, it's the first time Newcastle has ever been to a new Wembley. It's the first time since I've been to 1999. But I have never seen anything like the Geordies, the black and whites everywhere. It was just incredible, Trevor. And you're walking up and you're thinking, you know, I was a bit, this is, this is the little cup, isn't it? You know what I mean? But to try and tell anyone that went last Sunday about that, it was just incredible. And the one thing I always think in these situations, Trevor, is that nobody who's traveled down to London with a ticket or without a ticket considers losing, do they? You know, we're here to win, aren't we? And I, I can only imagine they were talking about any, anywhere between 65 and 100,000 Geordies who come down. It's a long way back, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, I think we possibly need to be a little bit more respectful for the League Cup, isn't it? Because the big clubs, they take it serious. United's last three games were cup games, including that final. They had a, a, five, a 3-1 victory in the FA Cup fifth round yesterday against West Ham, which again is an impressive result. And before the 2-0 uh, EFL Cup final win over Newcastle, they had defeated 4-3, uh, Barcelona 4-3 on aggregate. That's Barcelona. Um, you got to 
pause here for a second and think, shit, there really could be something coming together for this lot and not sneer at the secondary nature of the trophies and just think, have we got a manager here who is actually um, putting together some sort of an ethos, some sort of uh, a way of playing with a specific bunch of players that he's only going to make more and more his. Um, and it's, it, it's a worry, isn't it? To see things taking hold reasonably early for them. Now, if it's only the uh, EFL cup, that still represents success. If it's only the EFL cup and Champions League, that's them on the right road, but they could actually have another European Cup um, of 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 a, of a variety under their belt as well by the end of the season, and an FA Cup. Who knows? I mean, they are in all the competitions they were they're, they're in, like just like we were. Um, what do you make of that journey towards success? And maybe talk to us a little bit about the most recent game you saw them in, which I think was the United uh, Newcastle final. I've been, I have to be honest, Trevor, I've been impressed. Mm. You, you mentioned two things there. You mentioned a manager and an ethos. And that's what this guy's about. He comes from our, he, he comes from my ex. There's a background of doing things in a certain way. And I have produced as many superstars as there's been at Manchester United over the years. They know exactly how to deal with these people, but they also know exactly what they expect from these people. So he's come into a football club over the last five or six years. He's been treading water. It's like a Wild West and uh, buying player after player, having no clear plan what he wants to do. And then the big, biggest thing, the most worrying thing going to happen at any football club is that the power is with the players. And the players have the power at Manchester United. There is no manager to control them. And I think a lot of that was down to the, to the chief executive, Ed Woodward. He's gone now. they now got a manager. We had a lot of battles to fight. But when you look at some of the things he's sorted out, Trevor, you know, whether it's the Ronaldo thing, how he's dealt with Harry Maguire, Jaden Sancho he sent away for three months to deal with his mental problems. One Bissaka, we thought he was on his way out. Look at Rasford now. You know, he's, 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 he's finally become the player we thought he was capable of doing, isn't it? But so, so I think he's done a really, really good job. The football they play, it's winning football. It's not exciting football it's winning football uh, and I think that was the biggest thing that Tenag did he brought in players with a winning mentality and I think you can see that and I look at Manchester United I watch them and I think the first thing I think is that very rarely are they in trouble they're very rarely in trouble on the pitch because they've got so many good players they've got so much know-how uh, on, on the pitch and that's a big worry and that they always find a way of winning games. Take the West Ham game in the FA Cup, isn't it? Getting beaten 1-0 by all accounts, West Ham were much the better team in the first half. Gets them in a half time, bang, 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 come on, and then they end up winning the game 3-1, isn't it? They have something, and you mentioned the 4-3 aggregate against Barcelona. I thought that was two really good games, Trevor. You know, two really good teams going at it. So, that, that, yeah, there's no other way of describing it. I think they're doing well, uh, and I think they're on their way back. They've got some really good players but most importantly, they got a top manager. They're also on a hell of a run without a defeat. Um, a lot of good wins under their belt um, in the league uh, around all those various cup ties. They had a 3-0 win at home to Leicester on the 19th of Feb. Uh, before that, they had a 2-all, uh, sorry, they had a 2-0 away win at Leeds, a 2-all um, 
home to Leeds and uh, they beat Crystal Palace 2-1 that's the the last run of games now to take the most recent league lineup just out of interest the one um which saw them beating Leicester 3-0 you mentioned a couple of these players and I just wouldn't mind talking through what they've got with you and what it is you think that that Ten Hag is doing and and the centre half pairing is obviously interesting. Martinez has come in to great uh, applause from mainly from United fans, but you know generally speaking, seems to be quite uh, admired. Lindelof alongside him and and Shaw and Dallow either side. They've got Sabitzer, who's obviously a new boy, alongside Fred. That was in the uh, Leicester game. Uh, Fernando's Gamacho and Veghorst and Rashford ahead. Now, if we look at the League Cup final game where you saw the team, um, just to see if there's any pattern here in, te- in terms of them keeping things the same, and we see it's De Gea, it's Dallow, it was Varane and Martinez and Luke Shaw, Fred and Casemiro in that game, Anthony, Rashford, Fernandez and Veghorst, just a little bit of a jiggle around in where those lads were positioned. So there's comparatively steady personnel now, Jan. Um, who have you been impressed? Have you seen, for example, the new man take uh, any player like Klopp did and go, right, you're my lad now and get something new out of him that maybe the previous regime wasn't? Have you seen evidence of beyond the ethos and beyond the playing style have you seen evidence of Ten Hag as a man manager elevating the games of any individuals yeah I think he has uh, I think obviously the first one is one Bissaka uh, because I think he was on his way out he, he, he just looked like it was too much for him to play at Manchester United but but, but now he's he's come back and one Bissaka is a great defender no more don't expect him to be a marauding fullback or whatever don't be expecting him to be Trent Alexander-Arnold he's not he's a good defender isn't he Luke Shaw I think he's just left Luke Shaw. Luke, you get on with it. Because I think Luke is one of those kids that just needs to be left on his own. Mourinho was on his back all the time and I don't think that suits him. Just leave him on his own. I think Fred, I think Fred's done well. He was a bit of a laughing stock in midfield, wasn't he? But I think he's he's given him a clear role. This is all I want you to do. And, and Fred is now doing exactly the instructions he's getting from the manager. Makes him look a better player. I think Bruno Fernandes, instead of being the player that every time he had the ball, had to decide the match because that's how he played for 18 months. Every every pass is a Hollywood pass. I think he's gone back to basics and just plays a lot of simple passes, keeps the ball moving. And when he has an opportunity, he still has that Kevin De Bruyne sort of skill set in, in terms of what he sees. Uh, so I think they're the main ones. Obviously, Rasper and his goals in it, but I think we always felt that there was a player in there and Rasper sometimes. And I think the removal of Ronaldo has just made Rasper blossom. <laughs> What's your take on Casemiro and what he can offer this side? Because I've heard a lot of uh, contradictory stuff, and I know he didn't have the e- easiest necessarily of, of uh, early days. Um, that, that can often happen as someone adapts to a team. But a lot of people were very disrespectful. I saw Graeme Sunez referring to him as a steady Eddie, as if he was just a, a, an, or, an ordinary footballer who's at one of these get the ball and give it to the more creative Modric types. And, you know, I think most of us have seen a little bit more than that to his game. Um, do you think he's capable of reproducing it consistently for United and being a real force for them and therefore a good signing? Yeah, he looks a good, I mean, is he a good signing? I mean, what he's, he's I think he's 31. Uh, so maybe in terms of that, he's not a great signing, but, but for here and now, and I think that for here and now, they needed a number six for, 
for Tenard to be able to do some of the things that he that he that he wanted to do, isn't it? And I just think that the boy is a winner. Uh, everywhere he plays, uh, he makes teams win. I think he's almost every cup final he's ever played, and he he has this ability to to, to make the players around him do what he wants them to do and to get the games won, isn't it? Uh, so he, he yeah, he's a, he's a real sort of player with real know-how, isn't it? And he has that sort of trigger in him as well, isn't it? He's very good at making sure that the opposition doesn't get into any rhythm either. You know, because you see Manchester United, and you mentioned a couple of games there, uh, where they're dominated by the opposition. And he's one of the ones who then slows the tempo and takes the rhythm out of the game or whatever. So he's a, he's a very, very cute footballer. He's one of those footballers, I would say, is that he's a typical Mourinho footballer in that he has all the tricks in the book. You know, he's he's capable of doing it all, isn't he? And he's not scared of taking a yellow card either, if that's what is it's required. And I think the big bonus for United has obviously been his goals. He's he's got quite a few goals from especially from headers. Um, so there's no doubt that the, the boy he's a really, really good player. The, the only good thing for us to have is he's thirty one he hasn't got forever as he's not as if he's twenty two and you think you know, because finding the right number six we know, don't we? You know, you know how that transforms your team. You know, Fabinho was a big part of transforming our team, isn't it? So we, we know how important that role is. I'm going to come back to Fabinho um, just before we finish up the show with your prediction against United. But I've got two more United questions just to, f- to wrap up the, 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 the chat here. The first thing is... Um, what is your take on Veghorst? He's a player not a lot of people will have seen a lot of, <clears throat> and he seems to have made inroads into this United uh, first team. What, what have you made of him? Uh, my, my initial thought would be disappointing because they brought him in as a number nine to help scoring goals because that was an issue. Uh, well, I actually think he's done well. Uh, and I actually think that Ten Hag has used him well. Uh, in the last few games, he's played him as a, as a number 10 and then played Rashford in behind him. Uh, so they, of course, will, will take all the pressure of anything that's in the air. He'll go and challenge for that. He'll be the first one to, to, to press because they save Rashford's energy for when he's got to run forward. And it's, it's actually worked quite well, isn't it? So I actually think that, and I don't think this was the plan, uh, but this is a good manager thinking on his feet. And the boys come in and he's thought, we, we lack something up front when he plays up front because he simply doesn't have the pace and he doesn't have the circuit to get himself a chance. And I think he's only scored one goal in his time there. So all of that would have been disappointing. In it. But he's found a way through the cost of maybe making Rasmus look even better than what he is. And I, and I think that's quite clever. Yeah, that leads into my last question quite well, actually. It was so nice to be able to have United as a topic for levity and comic comedy and something to have a little bit of a chuckle at, like we would say with the Ev. Uh, it would appear, and I don't want to, I don't want to just, you know, seem as if I'm, I'm, I'm bigging them up too much, but it would appear as if those days might well be gone for a little while if this guy can manage to consolidate, uh, <laughs> that's a bit depressing right it is I, I totally agree Trevor uh, but, but sometimes you look at clubs and what they're doing uh, and you think yeah these are on the right track uh, and also there's potential new owners uh, which will mean potentially even more money for the manager although I don't believe he's a checkbook manager but I do believe he knows what position he needs to strengthen in. and to strengthen for big clubs whether it's Liverpool or Man United it is expensive we, we can't get away from that 
you don't find 15 million pounds uh, bargains, do you? You pay anything between 50 and 100 million, uh, and, and he'll have to do the same, isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, just one thing the modern Premier League is now bigger than it's ever been, and there's one thing that the modern day Premier League has never had. And I see two biggest clubs in England going head to head. Yeah. Mm. You know, we, we, we've had exciting title races in the past, but we've never had the two big boys going at it. And in a way, Trevor, that's always been my dream. You know, I would love to see those two, Liverpool and Manchester United, going at it for the title. In a similar vein where Liverpool and Manchester City and there's one or two points either way is, can you imagine what that would do to the popularity of the Premier League if it needed anything? It, it, it would be mind-blowing. It's a one thing we're missing, Trevor. And it could be the case next season when City get relegated down to the conference or whatever uh, nonsense they're talking about happening. <laughs> I believe that one is in. Uh, now, I have to disappoint uh, listeners uh, that for the third or fourth time in recent weeks. I'm going to have to wrap it up a little bit early because I've got stuff going on here with my folks. So I'm going to wrap it up just a, a few minutes earlier than usual, Jan, by doing the, the usual thing and asking you how you feel. Because we actually have a full week, so we'll get a show in before uh, the next game, uh, which is the following Saturday. So let's just focus on United and what your good feeling about how that will go is. I, I feel that United will come to Anfield and play a tactical game. I, I think they've done that quite often in, in, in bigger games. They come and want to play a tactical game. And I think that will play into our hands. You know, instead of a team coming to Anfield in good form and they want to swarm all over you. I think United will, will, will come and they'll be sensible in their approach and, and, and they, they, they won't do anything rash. And I think that will shoot us because it'll allow us to get into the game. You know, whereas instead of having to deal with something right from the word go, I think we'll be able to feel our way into the game. Uh, and, and I think Anfield is, is a leveller. Uh, the, the crowd will be pushing for this one. That's absolutely for sure because all of us think that. Even the most staunch Liverpool fans are realising, you know, that they're now becoming a threat again. Uh, but I think we'll get away with it. Uh, I can see it being a great game. That the longer the game goes on, you're going to get more tension in the game, you know what I mean? Because of the importance, you know. Uh, but I think we're going to share the points. 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, two is my prediction for them. 2-2. Two, two. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty spicy. You know? I think there might be a decent L chance of a red card making an appearance as well. I think there's a lot on the line and it'll feel sadly enough like a little bit of a final for us because every game will so I think there could be a lot of tension out there I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes I just have this inkling that Darwin Nunes is going to be involved in something good so my gut feeling is maybe we get a win I don't know why I'm not putting on the record because you're the prediction meister so we will wrap it up there like I said a couple of minutes early this evening uh, with thanks as always to Jan for yet another show my friend thanks very much you're welcome, Trevor. And uh, yeah, we keep saying this, isn't it? But this is really it is now, isn't it? You know, this this is focus, get the points in the back, get that fourth place, because if nothing else, it'll probably mean another 80, 100 million in, in the coffers, isn't it? And we could certainly do with that. Yeah, 
absolutely. To use an expression uh, from your uh, other favourite sport, we're on the home stretch and Jan and I will be there uh, with you for it, folks. So do keep it here on Anfield Index Pro on Malby on the Spot. That was Jan Malby. I've been Trev Denny and we'll be back with you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.